electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has this morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to start another week of trading right here at the New York Stock Exchange. And you can see we are set up for what appears to be a higher open. Our roadmap this morning, though, begins with uh, the question to merge or to unmerge, demerge. Japan's Nippon Steel is buying U.S. Steel, but Adobe scrapping its Figma deal, not to mention Grail. Oh, man, we'll get to that as well. And as for the market, seven weeks and counting, futures are pointing to more gains at the open. You just saw that. And it's holiday crunch time. We're going to gauge the state of the consumer and the impact of inflation. We're going to be speaking to the CEO of Costco. Um, that'll be, that's a special treat. That'll be yes, this hour. Is. Let's start, though, with uh, M&A, uh, and including that U.S. Steel, uh, Nippon uh, Steel deal. It's, a, of course, a transaction our viewers know that I've been following here, but must say, Jim, that Nippon was not a name that I had uh, mentioned, at least. It was one that I had rarely heard, and oftentimes just sort of in the abstract, uh, they somewhat surprised here, got involved, though, like many other companies. And as, of course, we had been informing our viewers for quite some time, this was a robust auction throughout, as I had reported, I think it was last week. Brids were certainly well into the 40s, but $55 a share, all cash. It even gets up to an actual number of $14 billion in equity value that's pretty impressive. We've talked for years about how U.S. Steel was really a tiny little right. company. Right. Not so much when it sells, and you have to give uh, the board and management uh, their due here. Cleveland Cliffs came. They said, no, thank you. We're not interested in that number. We're going to try to maximize shareholder value and maximize they did, didn't they? Well, I've got to tell you, they sure did. And I got to hand it to them because Nippon is number one in Japan, number four worldwide, but really is not a real player here. So I think that what a banker might have just said is, look, given the fact that our antitrust organizations are both very, very tough, let's find someone who has very little overlap. Well, when I look at the overlap here, David, it's about as low as you can get. It's a great point, Jim. Domestically, the overlap is very small. We had made the point many times that Cleveland Cliffs, again, it, steel is a global market, right. but there could be arguments given tariffs and the like that you do need to look at the domestic makers and what they offer to, for example, the automakers. Right. And the combination there of Cleveland Cliffs, for example, uh, and U.S. Steel would at least have raise some real questions. Right. This doesn't do that. By the way, I do have some questions, which is there's no real cost synergies here either. No. So they're paying 55 with no cost synergies. They're talking about technology improvements and the things of that nature. Uh, they're talking about what they're going to be able to do when it comes to producing a lot less carbon that goes along with producing steel, I thought that steel, was really Jim. interesting to make that but case. off the bat, it's paying 55 cash without, you know, a clear line of sight to, like, huge synergies. Well, what do you do if your composition by export destination, this is from the most recent piece about them, is only f- uh, 4% North America? 
So if you're looking at the biggest market in the world and you're saying to yourself, how do we get in? Can we start? Can we build? No, the answer is we can just buy. Now, David, 232, remember the defense ruling that we had under President Trump, uh, did, uh, was pretty hard on Japan. Mm-hmm. But then they made an announcement of actions on Japanese imports of steel, February 7, 2022, which let them come in a little bit. Right. But they still weren't really able to do what a big, big steel company would like to do. So, Dave, this is kind of monumental. And what it does say is that if I'm Cleveland Cliffs, I wish this not happened because these these guys have a good balance sheet. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, listen, there are, uh, the unions, uh, we, we may hear something from the, uh, United, the United Steel Workers right. uh, prior to the open. Uh, for their part, uh, Nippon is saying uh, they are, you know, committed to all the agreements that are in place. They do have, their small operations here do have two, I believe, two unionized plants, at least, in the U.S. Um, they're saying uh, they're going to keep uh, headquarters uh, in Pennsylvania. They are going to keep the U.S. Steel name. Um, you know, they're saying all the right things. They sure There are, are. some who may want to think, well, was there a CFIUS issue? Remember, but that seems unlikely, Jim. So, you know, we'll see. What does Cleveland Cliffs do? Do they need to go out and buy something else, given they were the ones who started all of this? Or well, there really in some way started it with we, that you know, unsolicited we, offer? Well, I'm sorry. One of the things I think that we all have to recognize is that the steel companies have all combined in this country. And the, combine, the company that combined them is Cleveland Cliffs. And yet they still don't have uh, a, a hammerlock on auto. But if they had a hammerlock on auto, then this deal would not be allowed. Right. And so then you I have could argue, trust. Right, I could argue that this deal is pro-competitive. Brand new company comes in, stirs things up, maybe even reduces prices. And the next thing you know, you have a what was a non-competitive industry that's gotten competitive. Now, Nucor moved in recently to auto. But, David, auto has been a principal problem for the auto companies. They always cite that as one of the reasons why they can't keep prices down. Right. So if I were, let's say, Jim Farley from Ford, I would be out there saying this is the deal that we need. This is the deal that makes us uh, more competitive versus, say, Nissan, versus competitive versus the, the Obviously, Koreans. they make an enormous amount of steel for the auto market yes. in Japan. Oh, yes, uh, and definitely. now, well, clearly uh, in, in the U.S., uh, those blast furnaces and the like. Um, it's great deal. And, and by the way, a great deal for uh, shareholders who've been in here for any period of time, who perhaps bought in when the company said it was putting itself up for sale, who listened to some of our reporting on it in terms of the robust nature of the auction that included Cleveland Cliffs, included Arcelor, included a number of other potential bidders as well. Nippon, however, certainly had been quiet throughout um, and emerges with a, a bid that was well above my understanding as what was the cover Were bid. there other foreign companies involved? Because Cleveland Cliffs is looking up tremendously this morning. I believe there were. Uh, yes, um, it, but is not completely clear is how far along they were and or how many bids were made. Jim, I ultimately didn't, you know, a few people dropped out at the very end, uh, had made bids. You've been right about this all along. No one's been out. focused on this. It was an incredibly important piece of business. Yeah, um, I'm just going back to look at my, some of my notes. Nucor and Stelco, Tech, Technin, the uh, Argentine company. I did have Nippon written down here, but really it was because they had that ArcelorMittal JV. Right. Um, fascinating. All right, but let's David, move. Let's, just one last thing. Yeah. What do you say if we're at the end of a Fed tightening cycle? 
and the best valuations we've ever seen for steel are occurring, completely counterintuitive. And it makes me wonder whether our cyclical industries aren't just completely it's a good underpriced. Point. It's a good point. Uh, they, they say they're paying 7.3 times last 12 months EBITDA. That is what at least Nippon is saying they're paying to sort of justify that very high price. Uh, and they say that steel deals have come in around that, right. but it's far more than anyone else who's willing to pay. Well, congratulations uh, to you cash. for keeping us focused. It Thank turned you. out to be re- remarkably important in terms of valuation. It, remarkably it, it, important. It, again, it ended up being far above what many in it's paid. All right, Jim, let's move on to a deal that's not happening. And it's one that I remember us discussing back in September of 2022 when Adobe stock price got hammered oh. when they initially announced the Figma deal. Then over time, they seem to have convinced shareholders as to why it was such a great strategic right. fit. So now what do you tell them after they say we can't do the deal because EU and UK regulators were simply not going to give us the approvals necessary to complete it? I think some people will say, well, when they announce the deal, cash from stock, uh, their stock is much lower. So they're going to get away with not paying anything other than the billion dollar breakup. I think that's wrong. I think that this was really important piece because there's an ethical Canva that has something that is much less in price than what Adobe has uh, that really Adobe has, I would say, very little answer to. But it's entirely possible that Shantan and Orion, who was on with me last week, has something that maybe they've developed something competitive. But I have to tell you, David, they're to the end. Shantan has insisted that he must have this piece of business. So this is a radical comeuppance versus what I think he felt was not a, a competitive piece at all, you know, blocking competition. If anything, this was the way to compete against Canva. And right. just, it's just incredible to me. But once again, David... You think they have something when it comes to, I guess, what is a collaborative Photoshop? And that's the future. So what... It is good to have collaborative Photoshop. And I'm sure that you could argue that Figma could have been integrated in some sort of AI fashion. But yeah. I think last week... During the quarter, he really, in the quarterly conference, he, did, he really chose not to address this. And remember, this just happened. I know. And they reported last week. I know. Why didn't they tell us, though? That's what I wanted to know. That's yeah. exactly where I was I going. Mean, a number, I had that conversation with, with a couple of shareholders this morning saying, well, why didn't they why tell didn't us they last tell week us? if they knew they were going to terminate? And then they could have given, given us a lot more information around it. By the way, we, we should, you know, given it's the same vein, Illumina and Grail. Oh. I mean, it's, you know, again, there you've got, obviously, also, the European regulators saying no, 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 which they said all along. It's just the story okay. here. I mean, you, the timeline on Illumina Grail is really unbelievable. January of 2016, they spin it off as right. a new company. Right. They retain 12% ownership. Then in September of 2020, Illumina buys it back for $7.1 billion. And the EU and the U.S. both say, we're not sure about this anymore. Then they complete the purchase in 21 of August, and now, no thank you. Well, I think they'd rather have Grail than their own company. I mean, their own company is in a dogfight against uh, Thermo Fisher and Danaher. Yep. And the only thing that I thought would make them more competitive was Grail. Why? Because Grail is the one drop of blood, yields the answer to cancer. Gives you all your... Right. What you need to know, potentially. potentially. Sometimes it can potentially. also get you very scared right. about a lot things of, you don't yeah, need to be scared about. People thought there's false positive. Yeah. I mean, but this thing is, the, Grail is such an exciting piece of business, and they just screwed this up. But remember, Lumina had been run 
uh, by some people who are, I think we're, yeah. I think you could easily say we're on a permanent intellectual vacation. <laughs> Carl Icahn <laughs> tried to change that to a certain extent. I mean, his reward for that is a stock that just kept going down. But yes, the divestiture will be executed through either a third-party sale or a capital markets transaction. They finally throw in the towel after the European Commission said, you got to divest this thing. But David, um, can we just talk about what all this is meaning? Yeah, here? and take me back and take me to the market if you can well, as well, I, if you've got I a broader that, takeaway. I think that the government has a view on things, both both U.S. and in Europe, that's completely out of sync with what the investment bankers and the lawyers say. Repeatedly, I'm told by people in the business that the lawyers refuse to really say, wait a second, and the bankers say, don't worry about it. Now, this combination has emboldened CEOs to make decisions that, in retrospect, were pretty foolish uh, and, and very time-wasting for them. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, other than... The amount of value and time and everything uh, else in Illumina Grail, what a... I mean, I mean, first of all, they never should have spun it in the first place. No, that's why I say that yeah. they're ill-advised. Um, but, David, if you just think, just think about what's happening here, I think there, other than the Horizon Therapeutics Amgen deal, there really isn't anything that would indicate that the, that the regulators don't despise mergers. Well, you're talking, I know how you're thinking about it, with, particularly with the FTC. Well, they let I, out, I mean, I, you could I, argue you know, that, the, I think that, that it, Microsoft. Uh, yeah, let's keep an eye on Albertsons. Oh, see I've if that divestiture package with SoftBank right. is going to be enough to get an approval somehow. But you know that the Justice Department has said repeatedly that a spinoff in order to be able to justify a deal is automatically disqualified. I know. And that's because of a terrible deal that they authorized with, uh, for a long, long time ago, with two other steel, you know, with, well, we um, know that. We got so many, we got, you know, we have even more M&A to get to, which we'll talk about later. Of course, we had Safeway CEO. Wyndham or... saying no again to choice, and we got this Alteryx deal, Wyndham's we got a Masonite deal. We'll get to those uh, in, uh, right, a little right, later. All right, all right. And then we got to talk markets as well. But it's um, all government versus business. I can't believe it. It's government versus business. Um, there's a real positive tone to M&A, though, right now. Well, I think people I, I just think say, I'm going to outlast We're getting some them, momentum into 24. I think we're right. supposed to get done. I know. All right, we got to go. All right, I'm not, not against that. We got to go. We're going to, later this hour, by the way, we're going to have what is a relatively rare interview. Costco CEO Craig Jelinek is going to join us. We're going to talk to him about inflation, the consumer, and a lot more. Let's give you another look at futures. We get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange in 16 minutes. And we are looking uh, up on uh, the major averages. We're back after this. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. 
You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, let's get to uh, the markets. We're in the midst of a seven-week win streak, and so uh, I turn to you and say, can we keep it up? Well, this would, of course, be highly unusual. Uh, particularly because that last spurt was because we had an interpretation of what the Fed was saying, of which some people would say have been walked back. But a lot of this move has been about the tenure. And I was looking at the German tenure bun this morning, and that's at 2%. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. I know that the uh, you know, you're dealing with a currency that I don't really count on. Right? No, and they did have negative rates for a really long right. time. But at the same time, I mean, world flows should be right here. And I think world flows do not care about issuance. But, David, all this is happening in the shadow that the government does have to refinance. We used to think about that during the run to five. It was really important. Now we don't talk about it. Yeah. And we know that Josh Frost, who's in Treasury, came up with a list that we thought was going to demonstrate a lot of 10 and 30 year, but didn't. The preponderance is shorter. So I think people feel like, well, if the 10 is going to keep going down in interest, well, then we can keep playing. That's helpful. It's sure. It's helpful for the U.S. budget. And again, these are not, you know, when you look at the broad sweep of history, these are not abnormal rates. No. But the worrisome part is that given our deficits and just given the size of our overall debt um, and the refinancing needs, even at this level, it represents a significant interest cost. We're ignoring it. Moving up substantially from where it is right now. I think that... This is the way I would look at it. We are ignoring it for 2023. But in 2024, I think two things happen. One is that there'll be some profits taken because they were wor- people were worried about having to pay taxes in 2023. And then I think we're going to be front and center with the issuance, which is now going to start dictating real rates yep. versus what we have right now, which is just this kind of animal spirited thing. Right. So I think that animal spirits say right now for the next couple of weeks, we look good. I am more and more concerned about January because, man, we got some big capital gains and we didn't want people would want to defer them. Plus, you saw that we have uh, 58 percent of the people are now more invested. in stuff. Yeah, I and, saw that there is a, a broader invest. You know, it was after the pandemic, the younger people, none of whom sadly watch us. I don't think, Jim, but, well, I'm but uh, like you know, they're on their phones, but they're still they're more involved. Right. And they own individual names. I mean, it's, it's music to your ears. Yes, man. it is. I think it's coming back. It's why younger people, the people who stop me in the street now, older people just presume that the index fund. But younger people, they, they tend not to be involved with. Well, no, they're involved with like, the NVIDIA, the AMD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, they like right. penny stocks, uh, too. And, and, of course, they also own the Magnificent Seven. So my question oh, as we ever. begin this week, as we saw a good amount of broadening last week, the theme last week was, hey, look at the Russell, uh, in part, as to your point, because rates have moved lower. Right. And, you know, some of these uh, companies that are burdened by higher interest rates, perhaps, are feeling better and the like. Uh, that got a real bid, ARK Innovation Fund. Wow. Yes. Does that continue, or do we just go back to the magnificent? Well, the, the crazy thing is, David, that you can get a rumor of a, uh, a Macy's bid, okay, which very, you need a lot of debt for. You can get the U.S. steel. Uh, 
you can see that companies want to merge at the top of a Fed cycle. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how companies are so bullish about themselves and others when Jay Powell is starting to worry about the downside. They Did we really as, get through they this? They don't seem as worried. But they've also been holding off and doing those deals right. for quite some time. Right. Some of them feel strategically it's the time now. Rates move down. It does make your financing right. costs lower. It and does. they don't seem that worried about a recession. No, but if Powell's worried, shouldn't we be worried? What? Me worried? Exactly. Uh, Alfred E. Newman. All right, coming up, we'll get a mad dash from Jim Cramer. We'll count you down to that opening bell. We'll look at futures one more time. Three times. we got to look at futures. There they are. They're still up. More squawk in the street right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Um, I'm going to be as surprised as our viewers when we get your mad dash here, Jim, because usually during the break we talk briefly, very briefly about it. Well, I don't even know what it is. It's Micron, but Micron is a microcosm of a lot of different commentary this morning about the semis, and almost all positive. Uh, Micron, the reason I figured that one is that Cowan is going from 78 to $100 a price target, Susquehanna 90 to 112 David, these kinds of price targets are usually signs that people think there will be a boom. Now, Micron uh, has had, uh, I like to be circumspect on Micron because they are. But when you start seeing Micron, uh, big pieces about AMD doing very well. Uh, What's going on here? Okay. I mean, by the way, the stock has surged, as you see, and right. it's going to end the year with excellent performance. I think that there's Despite a the ups and downs and no. some brutal conference calls. Oh, my. So, I think that one of the things that's happening is, is that the PC cycle, which has been so horrible, is finally about to improve. One, the inventory is down big. But then the other thing is that people are saying that AI is going to come to the uh, PC. I believe that. You'll be able to speak to your PC and say, could you please change my appointments? That's going to happen. It's going to be available by the fourth quarter. Microsoft is a big winner on that, too. So uh, there's also a sense, by the way, that handsets are going to do better, which is odd, given the fact that China is looking a little more restrictive on Apple, the more government agencies saying, please don't bring an Apple to work. So I look at it and I just say, maybe people are getting ahead of themselves, but boy, David, people want you to own the semis. The brokers are almost all really They're pushing them hard, huh? Yeah, and well, they're already up a lot. I know. Well, you seem somewhat hesitant then. Well, because none of them are doing NVIDIA, frankly, and NVIDIA is the one that's selling at 25 times earnings. NVIDIA, by the way, is underperformed. Why not just buy NVIDIA at 25 times, given its market share, given its growth potential, given its dominance? I completely agree. Now, I think people were worried about China, but I had Secretary Gina Raimondo from Commerce on this week, and she says, listen, NVIDIA is doing everything that she maybe, wants. Maybe it's just hard to buy a stock that's already up 240 percent, basically. I, I, you know, look, you know. There's, a, there's a reluctance to buy the best performers. I saw a downgrade today at Palo Alto. That's another one of the best performers of the year. And I, I come back and I just say, just be, why penalize something that's doing very well when it's now inexpensive with tremendous growth cap? I like NVIDIA more than all the ones that are being upgraded. All 
all of them. Right. All right. Uh, I picked up my papers here to make sure I know who's ringing the opening bell. It's Bolero. Yes, and I've had them on a number of times. I know you have. Global, it's an e-commerce retailer. Yeah, Bolero, you like that company. Well, they've missed their quarter several times, okay? And I obviously don't like companies that miss their quarters. At the same time, uh, I think that Boeing is a sport that they are easily able to consolidate and get a number of lanes. They've been doing that. It is not yet proven to be that effective. They had bad numbers in California, which they cited weather, which I found uh, quizzical because it's an indoor sport. Well, yeah, that's true. In fact, I would think bad weather is good. That's for how I always viewed it. Like, like ooh, that's one of those good. sort of gloomy winter days. Let's go bowling. Um, yeah, I felt that too. That said, I mean, the stock's down 15%. If you like roll ups, uh, uh, then I think this one maybe you want to seize. But uh, okay. there, I think there are other names. Right. We can move better. on. I didn't know. Yeah, we didn't want to spend too much time on Bolero. There's a look at uh, the broader averages as we get started with trading here uh, this morning. Of course, the futures, believe it or not, we're pointing in an up direction. And that's what we're getting as we uh, are one minute into trading. Um, let's talk about another deal. Uh, Alterix, you see this deal? Um, Just from looking clear over Clear Lake Capital Insight Partners. Now, there had been some media reports on this. Um, but it's forty-eight twenty-five, about a four billion dollar transaction, Jim. This is another one of those companies, Powers Analytics for All, with the award-winning Alteryx Analytics Cloud Platform. Enterprises can make intelligent decisions across their organizations with automated AI-driven insights. How That's many companies true. do we have that do? or basically would have an explanation of what they do that would read similarly. Well, the one thing I would say before we just dismiss it is, uh, and we're not really dismissing it, is that this is a a product that a lot of people say, look, uh, if I'm doing some coding, I can toggle back and forth without any pressure. It it really speeds up the process that has been the the hallmark of this company, and I think it's a fantastic company. Fantastic. Uh, you can see the uh, not doing much in terms of premium there for the stock price right now because, again, a lot of this had been reported. But it is another transaction that we did at least wanted to bring your way uh, this morning. Well, um, I, I know. I what mean, else you got? My, my, you know, Ken, my, my stepson works for Insight. I do not talk to him about anything. But this is a, a oh, Insight's he, a very he smart went from acquirer. Zoom to Insight. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Uh, with the blessing, by the way. Of the Zoom people, so nice. Uh, but I, I think that this is a really smart acquirer. Is the only reason I mentioned. Yep. Insight is regarded in New York as being you know, run by ninety billion. As being the most shrewd. It, they do not do a lot of deals. Very very exciting deal, and I wish people would understand that this shows you a very a very big path to how people do data, uh, how people put together spreadsheets. David, it's, some people feel it's at the end of a spreadsheet. Maybe it is. So I congratulate Insight for getting this and also Clear right. Lake. It's a good deal. Um, anything you want to hit? Because I got a couple show more. a lot of times. Sure. What are you thinking? Well, I think that you there was. These? I wanted to ask you about Wyndham because that okay. is, you know, okay. Wyndham is a very good company. Yep. And I, I Steve Holmes put this thing together. He did a great job putting it together. He's a terrific guy, known for a long time. And could he, could the board lose the company? 
I don't know. I mean, you know, last week I had the Choice CEO on. I talked to him yeah. um, at some length about the reasons for their fully hostile bid. Remember, they're going after the board. Fully they hostile. file hard, Scott. They own stock. They obviously are doing an exchange offer. Not obviously. They're doing an exchange offer. This morning we do, to Jim's point, hear from Wyndham. Um, and they say, we're not interested. No, thank you. Don't tender. Core issues we have articulated, they say, remain the same. This is a quote from uh, the CEO, uh, likely prolonged regulatory review, a review period of up to 24 months with an uncertain outcome. The pure inadequacy of the offer from a valuation standpoint, including the significant equity component of choice stock. And they go on to say, and a lack of consideration for Wyndham Superior standalone growth prospects, Jim. I would also add, when it comes to the regulatory review, uh, the FTC has now also contacted Wyndham um, in terms of a preliminary investigation. So last week I told you Choice had filed. They had said we've been contacted preliminarily about an investigation by the FTC uh, on the antitrust front. And now Wyndham also is telling us as well they've been. Um, so that you know plays into at least their argument that this is going to take a very tough regulatory or have a very tough regulatory review. I think the shareholders are probably in favor of of, actual, of Wyndham because it's done quite a good job. Now, David, th th this is a domestic chain that bore the brunt of COVID. And it came through. It came through fine. Jeff Blatty has done a very good job. But you know what? Maybe this is one of those things where the loyalty is not as deep as I think. Right. I don't know. I mean, they've got to have some overlapping shareholder base. What I said last week and said this to the CEOs, not a lot of um, uh, event related hedge funds, not a lot of risk arbitrageurs right. and the like who in this, in this. They just don't see a path, perhaps, as much as Choice the CEO does. And so you're really relying so. on overlapping shareholder bases to sort of, you know, because you need something to bring the pressure on window. You need right. someone. You need shareholders. And that's what remains to be seen, I think. Look, I, look, you could easily argue, well, wait a second. You know, what have you done for me lately? This is back from May of 2021. It hasn't done anything. Yeah. So, you know, in a world, David, where Marriott has done stellar, of course, Marriott is a big international company. You know, you can say, well, listen, I, what the heck do I, you know, what, why are these guys not doing nearly as well? They could have done what Marriott's done. And Marriott's given you an amazing return. But, jeez, uh, I, I just feel like, yeah. what, what are these, you know, if you look at um, May of 21, you're talking about 143 for Marriott, now it's 220. So you can say, hey, wait a second, why couldn't this done as well as Marriott? On the, uh, on the research front, I'm just taking a look here, uh, our firm shares are down uh, 5% this morning. You got a Morgan Stanley piece that says, taking a firm stand post-recent exuberant, and they do downgrade it to an underweight. We've talked a lot about the resurgence in this stock right. at being reflective to a certain extent of also retail investors getting more uh, exuberant Against as well. Against institutions that felt this company had to have real problems buying up pay later as the Fed kept raising and, short rates. And uh, a lot of uh, investors on the institutional front may have been short the stock. Right, 22% or funds. short. I talked last week about that there were the two of the worst days that hedge funds have seen on the short side of their book in many years. Right, the other one because was Because of upstart. all of the stocks moving up dramatically. Yeah, Upstart, which also someone raised, probably Upstart's got a 43% a short position. David, these are all, dare I say, mini GameStops. Kind of mini memes almost. Well, huh? I think that young, you know, well, young investors 
investors who felt that they made a lot of money last time around when they saw something had a big short position, glob going to it. At the same time, if the Fed is peaking, the rate, rates are peaking, then you shouldn't be as worried about a firm, which, by the way, had very few, very few loan losses. Yeah. They're a much better lender than, uh, than Upstart. Right. Uh, Max Levchin's done a good job. So I think that anyone who is most concerned about their balance sheet was wrong. Their balance sheet's very solid. I don't feel the same way about Upstart, but I do feel the same way about a short position. When your short position is this big, you should cover it. You shouldn't just be, oh, everybody's shorted, so I should stay shorted? What was the... what, what were they hoping for? Rates to go to six? Maybe so. Remember Jamie Dimon thought rates to go to six? Sure did. Dangerous sure World did. Diamond. He sure did. They call him Dangerous World Diamond. Dan- right, we downgraded from Hurricane, now just Dangerous, Tropical Storm. Feels oh, like we've been having one of those. You're, we've you're, been having a diamond storm lately in the New York area this uh, overnight. Well, you know, Jim, not, you know who's calm in the storm? Craig Jellin. Yes. From, we, do we want to get to that now? I think we should. I think All right, it's let's good do time. it. All right, let's go to Costco. Shares hitting a record high after really a fabulous, fabulous quarter last week. Uh, the company uh, boosted both the top and bottom line, even though it had already been on fire anyway. And Craig Jelinek, who's the outgoing, and I say that a little wistfully, CEO of Costco, joins us exclusively now. Craig, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Jim and David and Carl. Thank you very much. Well, Craig, I want to talk about the zeitgeist of Costco before we get into the actual nitty-gritty. Could you tell me how it's possible that you have the best benefits, the best wages for your employees, and at the same time, you are the most profitable retailer in the world? That seems a little counterintuitive, by the way, we think of on Wall Street. Well, you know, that's been the culture of the company since the day one, the first day that uh, we opened up our first building. And, uh, you know, you're only as good as everybody around you. We don't want to turn a lot of employees. People deserve to have good wages and good benefits. And as I said, we're not a margin business. Uh, We just want to sell a lot of stuff, and that's what we do. Um, I can't explain about everybody else. I can only say that it works for Costco. That's the way we run our business. That's the way we'll always run our business. And uh, it seems to work for us. Well, one of the things that Mr. Senegal, your, your predecessor, told me was that when you don't have to have new people at the time, you don't have to train them, and training's dead weight loss. Isn't it true that you have the most long-standing employees? Witness your new CEO incoming, Mr. Vakris, who's been there for 40 years and started as a forklift operator. Yes, we've, you know, we've always grown within, unless there's special positions like uh, attorneys or even some of our tech people come from the outside. But we've always promoted for in, created good jobs, and created careers. And uh, that's one of the success. If you don't have a lot of turnover, you don't do a lot of training. Can we get better in the training that we do? do? Yes, we can. We can always improve. But uh, as I said, this has always worked for us, and I, it will continue to work for us. In terms of Ron, uh, Ron's been with the company for 40-plus years. He's been in every position in the company. He's ran real estate. He's ran buying, he's ran operations, he's been president the last two years. He will take the company uh, further in the future. Well, Craig, one of the things that uh, I've always enjoyed are your conference calls. They're run by, I'm going to call him brilliant, but also incredibly funny, Mr. Uh, Mr. Galanti. And I think that one of the things he does best is that he basically makes you realize that if there's going to be deflation in this country, 
you guys want to be at the forefront of it. Again, I know what your job is to is sell volume, but how are you able to have these low prices without losing money on everything you sell? Well, we have to negotiate good deals. Keep in mind the membership income is uh, part of the equation. But, uh, you know, we can, as you know, we don't have a lot of different great selection in our business. You won't find a lot. Ten peanut butters, you might find two. Uh, our Kirkland Signature, which has been a great brand for us, is also uh, a way of creating deflation in the marketplace and lower prices. And also it makes it uh, a nice item for the difficult item for the suppliers also to have to compete against. So, you know, that's always worked for us, our own uh, private label. And uh, that's part of the trick in terms of uh, having great prices and great sales. Well, it's, periodically it's not that do. complicated. Well, but wait a second. I, I, something is complicated, which is that you're offering a Mickey Mantle autographed 1951 rookie card uh, on sale for 250000 You sold a Babe Ruth autograph card. Uh, you're selling gold. How do you come up with these things? Is this is something that is it intuitive or do you use some sort of artificial intelligence? Because these are eye catching things that you want to go to the store to see. Yeah, I wouldn't use go too far on artificial intelligence with us. Uh, we just we have creative buyers. Yes, you can see we sold a lot of gold. Uh, we've got a great buying group. We always want to make ourselves separate ourselves and be a little bit different from everybody else. That's why you pay a membership. And uh, we always turn merchandise. We're always looking for something exciting that we can create a value for. As you know, at one time we had caskets. Uh, we sold all sorts of great, crazy things, and it seems to work for us. Now, a $15 special dividend seems to be a good way, Craig, to be able to cap your career as CEO. How do you make those decisions? Because shareholders absolutely love them. Well, you know, we, we started on, this is, I think, our fifth special dividend over the last uh, 11 years. And... Uh, you know, we do well for the company. We're going to continue to reward our shareholders, reward our employees. And as you can tell, the stock has also appreciated relatively well uh, over the last actually 40 years since then we went public, uh, I think, in, uh, I want to say, 1985, 1986. So we've grown compounded about 17, 18% a year. So the stock's done well. Uh, we continue to generate a lot of cash. We... Um, we don't do a lot with our cash other than open up more Costco's and give it back to our shareholders. So that's the way we run the business. And to the extent that we can reward our shareholders, we will continue to do so. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, basically opening because the opening, say, of China, you have five stores in China. When you opened Shanghai the first time, your shelves were empty at 11, so you had to close it and rethink the whole game plan. But I need to ask you, when you have the lowest cost prices. Isn't that the hallmark of being able to open in every single country in the world? Well, what we found that our model, basically, everybody wants a value, no matter what your economic level is. And uh, we've been successful in every country that we've done business in, and we feel that we will continue to do so. So to the extent that uh, we can do business in other countries, we will continue to uh, grow our international business. Well, that to me says as a shareholder, my travel trust has a big position, that the growth path is far greater 
than if you were just a domestic retailer? In my opinion, yes. Absolutely. There's lots of opportunities out there. You just have to be intelligent to how you go about it and don't overextend your management team. Now, uh, one of the things that I do love, and we go there before uh, Thanksgiving, is we buy the pumpkin pie. I guess we're not alone. You sold 2.9 million pumpkin pies in the three days leading up to Thanksgiving. If I were to go to Spain, if I were to go to Mexico, if I were to go to China, are there signature dishes that you've tapped into that do just as well as pumpkin pie? I wouldn't say quite those type of volumes, but uh, our filan pie does very well in Mexico. Uh, in Asia, we do very well in certain types of fish in Asia. And we also do very well on a lot of American goods in, uh, in Asia. But, uh, you know, bulgogi beef was an item that we brought over here to the United States is huge in our Asia markets. So we've taken a lot of items from other countries and brought them over here to the, uh, to the U.S. And they've done relatively well also. So being a global a global company, a true global company, we take a lot of ideas and move them back and forth from country to country. Uh, Craig, it's David. I'm uh, just curious about you. You know, it's uh, you're going to count the days now until you step down as CEO. I know you're staying in an advisory capacity till April, but what are you going to do? And, and, you know, when you look back on all of your years, obviously, at Costco in running it and, uh, and just being a part of it, what do you think about well, you know, the company will continue to, to move forward, and uh, I will be up again for a vote for board of directors for the following year uh, in January. So if that goes well, I'll stay on the board for a period of time also. And then, uh, you know, the one thing I'm going to do is try to spend a lot of time with my grandkids. That's the first thing I'm going to do. So, uh, but other than that, I don't know. I'll play it by ear. I may look to get on some other boards. Uh, I want to stay close to... Costco for a period of time. I mean, I've been doing it here for 40 years, so I'll do that for a period of time, I think, and then I'll just figure it out as I go. Well, I've got to tell you, you've done a remarkable job, Craig. We want to thank you as a shareholder. My trust thanks you. Uh, you are in a long line, including Mr. Senegal, of amazing CEOs who have done everybody in the world, every consumer, a great turn. So thank you very much, Craig Jelinek. It's great to speak to you. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you guys having me. All the best. And to you. Thank and you. to you. Craig Jelinek. Yeah. Different. The way it should be. Maybe um, the way it was at one time. Uh, yeah, Costco is uh, remarkable. $300 billion market cap, by the way, if you're keeping track out there. All right, speaking of keeping track, let's uh, keep you up on the bond market this morning and check out how treasuries are faring. Yep, we see that 10-year yield, of course, still below, not still, but is below 4%, 3961, uh, 2's over 10's. You can figure it out on your own. Do the math during the break. We'll be right back. A cyber intrusion, a cyber attack. This time it's VF Corp. The threat actor disrupted the company's business operations by encrypting (laughs) some IT systems, stole data, including personal data. VF is experiencing certain operational disruptions. Oh, man, Bracken Darrell just came in there. He's doing such a great job in trying to turn things. This is the last thing he needs. It was Clorox, right, that this hurt badly? Yeah. Not that long ago? I've got Palo Alto on tonight to be able to deal with the fact that everybody has to comply after, you know, four days. But this is just horrible for this company. Yeah. Because Um, I think the turn was at hand very quickly. 
because Bracken's fantastic at what he does. The incident has had and is reasonably likely to continue to have a material impact on the company's business to, operations yeah. until recovery efforts yeah, are so completed. Then, you know, Christmas is just, whoa. Yep, cyber, cyber, cyber. All right, we got Stop Trading with Jim coming up. Don't go anywhere. Stop trading. Well, you know, David, there's a piece of research by Wolf today, and I like the piece. It's an upgrade to outperform the Salesforce, but Mark Benioff must be just cackling because this piece is about how Salesforce is a value growth story. Can you imagine where we've come that this is value because it's not moving as much as people think? I'm astounded. Do you agree? No, I think it's a pure growth stock. I don't think I'm going to call it value. I think that the activists got involved. They, they uh, look, 10,000 fewer people work there, um, but it's still accelerating. And I just think that that's a, a misnomer for this great company. But it is, let's say, versus Alaric's, it's very cheap. And Alaric's got a bid. It did. It did. It got taken out. God, I can't believe Alaric's got a bid. I've had one of them so many. That's a, such an expensive stock versus Salesforce. But what can I say, David? If this thing is a value stock, then it has a lot further to go. Uh, what have we got on Mad tonight? I have Palo Alto because this this hack, boy, we really can go right there with VF. No matter what, it, I want to see, is there a price that you can spend where uh, you're not hacked or where people say, you know what? I don't want to, that outfit is covered by Palo Alto. Let's find somebody that's not. You know, this is the just, inner parking lot, which doors are open. Yeah, they take over your IT systems and encrypt Destroy them. you. They destroy you. And then you can, then your customers can't, you can't fulfill your customers' orders. Now you have to talk about CrowdStrike too. CrowdStrike will come in there and try to fix it for you. But the one thing I would say is, is that I think everyone's vulnerable. Yeah. Even Palo Alto. But Palo Alto's people, they have a, a great record. All right. Look forward to hearing from uh, Nikesh. Thanks, Jim. Wow. Yeah, it's Exciting over. Show, man. One hour's gone. Yeah. But I got a couple more. Hey, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. I will. No Coming problem. up, uh, bank stocks are on the tear so far this month. We're going to have a look at the playback for that group, but playbook no, for that playback. group. We'll play it back. back. We'll play it back. <laughs> Keep it here. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 